Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to sport our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Here at The Next Reel, we've been passionately discussing movies week after week since 2011. That's a lot of movies and a lot of conversation. Sure is, Pete. And to be honest, it's a lot of work, too. But it's work that we love. If you've been enjoying our show, we'd like to remind you that there are ways to support us, even if you're not able to become a member just yet. You might have heard us talk about our new watch page, where we've listed every movie that we've talked about paired with Amazon or Apple links to rent or buy the movie. Now we'd like to introduce you to our Originals page. Let's take a trip down memory lane, Andy. Do you remember what the first film we discussed on The Next Reel was that was an adaptation? Uh, well, let's see. It wasn't, obviously, our Indiana Jones series, because those were all original. Uh, then we did Charlie Kaufman. Uh, oh, of course, it was Adaptation uh, from Susan Orlean's Orchid Thief. Exactly. We have covered quite a few adaptations over the years, and now we're providing a way for our listeners to delve into the original source material. That's right. Just head over to thenextreel.com slash originals, and you can see the list of all the adaptations that we have discussed. From our David Fincher series, featuring The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, The Social Network, Zodiac, Benjamin Button, and Fight Club. To our Paranoia trilogy with The Parallax View and All the President's Men. We have covered a variety of adaptations. Those were some great discussions, especially Fight Club. And let's not forget our baseball series with The Natural and Field of Dreams, adapted from Shoeless Joe. And Up in the Air and Thank You for Smoking. So many memorable conversations. Absolutely. And you know what's exciting? Each purchase you make through our links doesn't cost you any extra, but a percentage goes to support the next reel in our family of shows. You can support us while diving deeper into these fantastic stories, whether it's the paper, audiobook, or Kindle version. We've also included plays and movies. If they were the source, we've put it on there. So what are you waiting for? Head to thenextreel.com slash originals, support the next reel, and get your next great read today. I'm off to reread Fight Club. Now, where did I put my Kindle? I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Andy Nelson. Welcome to The Next Reel. When the movie ends, our conversation begins. 
in just a matter of seconds, you're going to hear a classic episode of this show from back in the day when we called ourselves Movies We Like. It took us a while to settle into the show's format, so you'll notice some differences as you listen to these episodes. For instance, it takes us a bit of time to actually get into the conversation about the movie. Things like that. But we're still proud of the conversations about the movies themselves, and we think they're worth keeping in the library. So enjoy these episodes from our back catalog. And you can become part of our Discord community, learn more about the show, and find out how you can become a supporting member at thenextreel.com. So thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to The Next Reel. We appreciate your time and attention, and we hope you enjoy the show. That is the question. I'm ready. Were you born ready? I was bone ready. I don't even, that's, uh, that's a trope. I don't even know what that is anymore. What is that from? I was born ready. What's that? Where was the first time any, uh, that was said? Jesus. (laughs) 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 Just a guess. I wasn't there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. Uh, (laughs) All right. How are you doing, Andrew? I'm good. I am. I am sure glad. I look forward to this every week. Do you know that? Every week, oh, well, I look forward. Really looking forward to this week because you and I, although we have talked, we have done a really good job. I think of not talking about this movie this week. Yeah, because you you banned us. I did. <laughs> from I did. There's about... no. We have no. We each saw the movie. We we're going to be talking about Prometheus. If you've been following along, we did Alien, Aliens, Alien Three, Alien Resurrection. We've done them all, and now. Prometheus. So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. We're going to do our very best. It's going to be a surprise. I have no idea what you're going to say about this. Not a one. And I have posted nay zero in any of my social networks on this film. I I am tabula rasa. <laughs> Blank slate. I am a doorknob. I am a dumb hasty doorknob. That's it. The bar is there. Wow. I've uh, been looking forward to the, talking about this movie. First of all, uh, I need to say something. You know, the inimitable um, Megan Strand, who's a, a dear friend and a colleague and a former host of a co-host of The Naked Marketers and now a co-host of Cause Talk Radio on this very Rashpixel.tv uh, network. She, mm-hmm. uh, she brought something to my attention just minutes, nay, seconds before the show. Wow. One of the things we talk about every week is please go to iTunes and leave us a comment. And she said, you know what? I've been saying people, they should go leave us a comment. I say that every week. People should go leave us a comment. You know what? It's not a comment. You can't leave a comment on on an episode of the show there. It's not even possible to do. We've been instructing people to do it, and you can't do it. Do you know why? Why is that? Because it's a review. Mm. A review. And it's not a review of an episode, it's no. a review of the show as a whole. Exactly. It's a review of the show as a whole. That does not change the fact that it is important to leave reviews. Reviews are good things, and they help. They still help other people discover the show, but we've been using the wrong language. I think yeah. we just get in the habit of, of you know, talking about comments, but really, we, we need to, to ask you, kind listeners, if you, li- if you uh, listen to the show, please leave us a review 
of the show uh, as a whole and a, a kind rating uh, would be terrific. Honest uh, reviews are, are great. Five star honest reviews are even better. <laughs> yes, that is the truth. And and uh, now, if you want to leave it, uh, a comment on a specific episode, really the best place to do that is on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash rashpixel. Uh, and you'll see all the shows, but the current week's shows are usually right on top, and you can just jump into the into the timeline there and and leave a comment, a review, or a share, and and uh, we sure do appreciate you um, commenting there as well. Here, here. Um, now, uh, let can we talk some trailers? Sort of surprised well, by trailers this week. Go ahead. What do you want to say? You oh, I was just gonna. Since you were in all that, I didn't know if you were gonna jump into the the rest of it. But maybe oh yeah, that's I could the do this I, week. No, no, no. I could do the rest. You know, I was trying. <laughs> I to just think, never know. Is, uh, well, okay. Let's do you then. Let's do you first. No, you go. Uh, oh no, it's me. your okay. t- no. You oh, should do then. it now. All right. Um, people can find me at Soda Creek Film or on Facebook at Soda Creek Film uh, or Google Plus. I am there as well, and at Rash Pixel. Excellent, and and we are. I should say we also have uh, all the episodes are cross posted at the uh, Rash Pixel Google Plus page, uh, but it doesn't have as clean a URL. It's harder to say Google Plus slash nine seven four seven a one seven exclamation point at right. sign question mark equals one. They don't make it as easy. Yeah, that's dumb. Uh, but uh, that that is very true. Soda Creek Film. You should go uh, check out Andy because he's a smart guy and post smart guy things. <laughs> and uh, there you have it. Uh, we're also on Stitcher Smart Radio. It's a smart way to do uh, internet radio. And and uh, you, Andy, are still a uh, an avid devotee, I assume. I am. I I listen to it every day. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. Good stuff. Um. So there you have it. That's our. Uh, that's enough of our stuff. I think for today. Uh, I'm still playing with um, uh, SoundCloud. I'm still playing with that. Uh, I I uh, I I still have hope. That, that maybe you? we might migrate uh, a few episodes to SoundCloud on a regular basis. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Uh, but be on the lookout on our Google Plus or our Facebook page because we are uh, we are uh, on the cusp of uh, beginning some uh, late night movies we like Google Plus Hangouts. Uh, we're 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 close to figuring out what our plan is on that, and maybe really really close. So stay tuned. Um, I'm very excited about that. But me too. I'm very, very excited about that. Now let's talk about trailer. I surprised myself with trailers this week. There are a lot of trailers I really liked that, that I discovered. And I think some of them are are out that uh, that have been out. They're not new, but they just surprised me. Did they jump out at you? They did. They jumped out at me. Well, the big one, I, I don't know if it's a big one, but Django Unchanged. That was Unchained, yep, yeah. top of my list. What do you think mm-hmm. of the, what do you think of this film? It's it's Quentin Tarantino. You know, yeah. it's going to be a fun um a fun movie and I I'm looking forward to it. I I don't know if it's going to change the face of westerns, but I am going to have a great time with it nonetheless. I uh I'm really looking forward to it now that I've I have read the uh you know the thing we posted a couple of weeks ago about the the Tarantino universe, film universe. Mm, right, right. I, it, it's making me really want to look at this movie much more closely than I I had ever really looked at, at Tarantino's films. Uh, and so I'm I'm very excited about that. Uh, what do you have you have you caught up with 360? I have not been as good with trailers this week. Oh, as this you... is going to be dumb then. Okay, well let I me just tell you me. what I what I'm really looking forward to. You go watch the trailers. Everybody should go watch these trailers, and we'll be here next week, and we'll catch up on them. How about that? 
That sounds great. Okay, uh, 360 is mm-hmm. uh, looks like it's going to be uh, absolutely uh, terrific. Um, it is the new, uh, let's see, Jude Law and uh, Anthony Hopkins and Rachel Weitz and Ben Foster. And uh, it looks like it's a terrific uh, Magnolia Entertainment kind of a... a um, uh, you know what it is? It's like that, uh, what is the sliding doors? Was that the one with the subway and the doors? That, yeah. yeah, that slide. That slide, yeah. It, it's like okay. that, but much darker. Well, and uh, and um, isn't it uh, Fernando Moraes yes, who it directed is. it? It is, and and so I'm yeah. I'm very excited about that one. It looks great. Um, the perks of being a wallflower. Mm-hmm. So uh, this one really surprised me. It looks like a really you know it, it's it's kind of the same, um, not at all to be related in, in in terms of the same tone of the the film, but uh, the uh, what was the one with the 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 girl next door, the porn star one. Oh, right. that, that movie kind of came out of left field for me. Like I, I thought it was going to be, you know, sort of an old school thing, and it, and it ended up really having a lot of heart, and and I quite enjoyed that movie. And and so this one, um, Perks of Being a Wallflower, it's kind of a, a high school story, and I I found myself really connecting to the trailer. It looks like a very sweet and uh, movie with a lot of heart. Uh, so that's worth worth checking out. Cosmopolis, David Cronenberg's new film. Mm. What? No. Nothing. Why do you, why do you say it like that? No, it's a mmm. It's oh. Cronenberg. <laughs> it's that sort of mmm. You know, this one is an interesting one. It's uh, um, it, it's based on the Don DeLillo book uh, of the same name, uh, where we have a twenty eight year old billionaire uh, who's on a trip across town to get a haircut in a limousine, and it's all the things that happened to him in the limousine. Uh, the The tagline, which I thought was interesting, was uh, "quote the first film about our new millennium," end quote. So I, I thought that was a bold promise. Yeah, interesting. Uh, when I I sort of thought uh, you know Strange Days was the film about our new millennium. It was just made twenty years too early. Uh, so, you know, we'll see kind of what this, uh, see how this holds up. But it stars uh, everybody's favorite uh, brooding vampire, Robert Pattinson, who, um, you know, from the, the that series of films I haven't seen. Trying to get into uh, doing something a little more unique. Yeah, well. His, um, what was it that uh, Daniel Radcliffe, the Broadway show, he did Equus? Yeah, he did Equus. He did the nudie yeah. thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this well, is, speaking, this is Rat Pattinson trying to pull one of those. Yeah, and it, you know, it looks like a really interesting film. I, I it was one that I was I surprised myself being quite caught up in. But you bring up uh, Harry Potter. I should mention. Um, uh, okay, the three of them: Rupert Grint, what was Harry, and Hermione. Da- Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe and Hermione was. Um, uh, uh, mm, Hermione. Mm, uh, Emma, Emma Watson. Emma Watson. So Emma Watson is in the perks of being a wallflower, and she has she she's sporting a delightful in, uh, American English accent. It's quite charming. And I heard it's pretty good. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Yeah, uh, as an American, as far as you know, I think <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, and then finally, the the last one, the thing I'm, I that that really just just hit me upside the head is people like us. Oh. And uh, yeah, people like us. Have you heard about this one? Uh, I think so. This is Chris. I, I feel like Chris, I've seen uh, the TV ads for that one. Yeah, yeah. This has been out for a while, and I hadn't taken it. I hadn't looked at it at all. Uh, okay, so Chris Pine, uh, otherwise known as the new James T. Kirk, 
and Elizabeth Banks uh, star in this film written and directed by Alex Kurtzman, right? Alex Kurtzman and Roberto Orsi, 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 Orsi wrote it and Kurtzman directed it. Oh, nice. And it is not action or science fiction or, I mean, there's not, it is a straight up family drama uh about and the story i think is it's an interesting twist on the sort of estranged family thing he's uh you know he's uh, chris pine plays this uh, character who's you know uh completely broke and and um, he comes into some money and inheritance from his his uh, deceased dad and there's a letter with it that says you know i need you to take this money 150 grand and give it to your estranged sister that you've never met the sister that from this other family uh and she is um you know she has a a kid and he has to kind of introduce himself it's like his journey to introduce himself through the you know the the strife that that has come between them over the years it looks like a, it has that same sort of kurtzman and orsi uh kind of bite to yeah. the language of the film but it is the the context is totally shattered um it's wonderful. It looks really great. I have high hopes for this to be a a, a strong film. Hmm. I hope they yeah, don't mess I, it up. It looks like it'll be a fun one. I yeah. hope you're right. Yeah. That's all. I, that's all I have on the trailers. I can't. Believe, what do you bring to the table for trailers this week? Nothing. I'm so I'm so sorry. You know what I do think looks fun? Tell me. Is uh, Rise of the Guardians. Rise of the Guardians. Yeah. Have you seen the trailers for that? It's an animated DreamWorks film that's coming out at the holidays. This I is the, the one where Santa and the yeah. Easter Bunny and they're, they're all superheroes. There is, it's like they're, uh, the, yeah, these mythic warriors that, uh, that while they're not um, doing their holiday at the holiday time of year, they're helping, <laughs> you know, protect children and, and defend, you know, childhood and youth. And then um, some uh, like black. You know, creature comes and tries the boogeyman. to destroy it's the boogeyman. All, all things wonderful, and they have to stop him. So I, I don't know. Do you think this is? You think this is going to be one that sweep, sways people? Do you think? I think it looks cool. Do you think, think Santa? You, no matter put, how uh, many you know, tattoos? tattoos on Santa Claus, I think it's pretty fun. <laughs> That's what I was going to say, though. You know, how many tattoos do you need before Santa Claus uh, becomes cooler than Iron Man <laughs> on his best day? I don't know if that's possible. Come on. He's we'll got see. flying reindeer. I like the Easter Bunny. The Easter Bunny cracks me up in that movie. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, all right. That's all I have. All I'm right. sorry. That's good. I like, no, I'm, I, you're okay. Yeah. Good, good work. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, uh, how would you like to begin? Well, I think. Um, since you <laughs> you kept us from chatting about it, I want to hear your thoughts first. Don't you think we should do like a like a count, like one, two, three? <laughs> one, two, I love three, it. I hate go. it. Yeah, like like and then what, just yell like... out our score on one to ten. Yes, yes. <laughs> Let's do that. That's hard. I haven't really thought about what the score would be, but okay. I'll ready. Just, I'm I'm gonna guess. Okay, ready. One, two, two three, three, four, seven. <laughs> oh this will be a good chat <laughs> oh dear well okay 
I can totally see why you would give it a four. In fact, I probably, I, I probably should be closer to that end of the of the scale. But there's thing, there's a lot of things about it that I think work, and I still have to applaud them for what they tried. Now that being said, I do have a feeling that it's not going to age well with me. And I wouldn't be surprised if in the coming years I am drifting closer to the four. Yeah. But right now, I, I there's a lot of things that I think are very interesting. And just the number of conversations I've had this last week about the movie and the interesting things I've read online, there's a lot of things going on there that I think are uh, that you don't get normally in a in a summer film. And so, no, I, I still give it a seven. I'm going to okay. stick by All my right. seven. All right. Well, I think you just made a, a really key point. And, and for me, maybe the, it's just a discussion of, of half-life of this movie. Like the half-life for me was much shorter than yours because when I walked out of that movie, I was uh, like, I was stricken. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think, to, you know, just to start off, I, the movie is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. There is, I mean, I, and I haven't read anything that counters that. Of all the criticism of the film that I've I've read, some of which I agree with, some of which I do not, I, I haven't read anything that says this movie is ugly and it's cheap looking and it's clumsy. Right. Um, I I thought the first, uh, you know, what'd you say, the first two and a half minutes um, is uh, really uh, gorgeous. I mean, I mean, it's just transcendent. Uh, yeah, the, that the opening in every way—the look, the music, the everything, the tone, the effects. It, it, yes, yes, absolutely, yes, and it, and it makes you. I, I mean, I you know you you find yourself before the Prometheus, um, it, you know the title reveal. You find yourself just thinking, what what the hell have I gotten myself into with this movie? I feel like this is this may be too big for me on this giant screen. Like it it is so. It, it is it, it really is just a feast that that yeah. you just can't you you can't you don't know how you're going to digest right so uh, on that front i i think the movie is uh, stunning I, and and i think that continues throughout i i think the next moment that i found myself really moved uh, by just what I was trying to take in was the reveal of the Prometheus ship itself. Do you, I mean, yeah. did that not hit you like a, a wrecking ball? I, it it starts on this stunning close up of this reflection of a piece of just sort of metal, and and you don't really know what it is. But the way the camera moves around the ship, around that sort of giant sort of carapace that 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 kind of comes down over the main sort of pilot's area uh, mm-hmm. and, and pulls back to reveal those giant, the, the four engines of this ship. And it, it was a uh, uh, really powerful reveal. I mean, I, I can't remember. I think that the sort of the next best kind of sci-fi ship reveal has to be the Star Destroyer um, in the open of episode four. Uh, you know, I mean, that's, uh, it, it's that scale of, of kind of awesome yeah. or space balls, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> for, for maybe different reasons. Yeah. The, um, yeah. And it's interesting the way it's revealed because it's almost revealed as if it's a planetary object. Yes. It has that same, um, sun 
sunrise from space sort of look like exactly. the, the sun rising over a planet and you see and then you realize it's not a sun. I'm actually looking at the engine and the light from the, the, the fire from the engine. It was it was really one of the most unique sort of visual choices that I I remember in terms of the way to characterize uh, and and I think it's it's fair to say this that that the Prometheus ship uh, ends up being as much a character in the film uh, you know as the as as the actors mm-hmm. um, and uh, in in some cases certainly gives a better performance <laughs> uh, and and so I think uh, you know I think it was it was really st- I, I think overall and that's the general thread that I was left with of the over, or overall film uh, that it was brilliantly architected like this movie was put together in a in a I- visually in a, a terrific way yeah all right it was it it was gorgeous yeah. um the uh yeah and you know kudos to all the technical crew members involved with that darius wolski darius the wolski, cinematographer yeah. and, uh, and pietro, pietro scalia, scalia yeah. yeah the editor arthur max production design all those people um you know costumes janty yates just it, it was great everything about the look was gorgeous so yeah let's it, get that out of the way it, we have to because <laughs> because that makes this movie like because uh, the the next thing that happens for me in terms of the degradation of the movie over time is the you know the the sort of the the WTF moments that kind of come in creep back into your psyche after you allow the other stuff to wash over you but it's that other stuff that that is so critical because that's what makes it a joy even as you're calling bs on on you know whatever you happen to be calling bs on uh it makes it a joy to see the movie again and and i I, I mean, to to see the movie two, three times in a, a very short uh, space of time and not actually tire of it, uh, but as you said, to have even more sort of interesting conversations about the film, I think says says a lot about it and yeah. what it's trying yeah. to do. So yeah, and I, I don't. Did you end up seeing it a second time? Yeah. Or did you just see it yeah. the once? Yeah. Just the once. Yeah. The second. No, the second. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Twice. And and uh, you know. Uh, have am uh, fully intended to see it again. Uh, you know, just ran out of time. Yeah, right. I same here. Yeah, I think we both saw it twice, three D and once in IMAX three D. Right. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And Which, and uh, let me say was... uh, the comment on the three D was this one. You know, I thought was uh, I I would say this was superior to Avatar. Really? Yeah. Hmm. And and I would say that only because um well I guess they they're different. Uh, in this movie I felt like this is is likely the first movie that I I remember seeing where the 3D um didn't feel like the spectacle. Yeah. It it felt as integrated with the the sort of visual sort of story that I was being told and not like I'm seeing this movie in 3D because it's supposed to wow me. Right. Um, it wowed me, I, I think, because of what was on on the screen and the 3D was simply an element of that story. And uh, I love that sort of 3D. Yeah. I think it's so powerful when it, it just makes you feel immersed in the story all the more. That's it. And and Avatar, I felt there were some sequences that, that you could feel they were trying to, to just wow me with the fact that it was 3D. Like they were just pushing an envelope and they needed to show off. Well, and that's I, you know, fine. I think, you know... 
to their defense, I do think being the first real film that was trying to break that 3D bound, yeah. I, I think that was inevitable. No, so. no, no, and 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 it was great. It, it was a spectacle. It's achieved its purpose. I that's but but that I think shows the the sort of maturity of of 3D and why. Uh, you know, when I choose to see a movie in 3D, and I I don't, I mean, you know, see every movie in 3D, and I, but this is one that that is, uh, it makes it easy to say you have to see this movie in the theater, you have yeah, to I, see it on the big screen with 3D, definitely, uh, definitely. So, um, okay. So okay, so all the prettiness aside. Let's jump into the story. Uh, or should we try to figure out a way to structure this? Like, should we talk actors and performances first and then get into the story? Or should we just no, jump right I, into you know, the story? I think like, we, because it, if we talk actors first, I'm trying to figure out if we if we do as much non-spoilery stuff for a while and then we can jump well, into the is there, later. Is there, are we set, is there kind of a rule set here? Are we... I I, I, don't, I don't know how we can have a conversation about this movie where there isn't where we don't. I don't know. Maybe well, we should just say, here's the you thing. What, Starting now, yeah, stop. If you haven't seen the movie, stop because at this point we are likely going to spoil a lot. Yeah. Uh, everything every yeah it's just gonna we're gonna spoil it so starting now go do your thing and then come back and start hit play again that's good yes there you go spoilers spoiler uh, alert okay um so i, I want to start at least for me i i feel like i have to start at a really high level okay it seems to me that and I'm, I, I, I have to characterize this as sort of a grudge match between Spates and Lindelof and Ridley Scott, right? <laughs> you know. And I'm sure that's not how it came out, um, but be, because I, I like what Damon Lindelof does. I, I like, you know, I like John Spates' work. I have, and, and, and I love Ridley Scott. <laughs> I mean, I, I love, know. like, I love these guys, all of them, and I. And and so it it breaks my heart that I feel like this movie didn't deliver on all cylinders. I feel like there is that that there is so much mythos jammed into this movie, uh, and and so much um, uh, you know, beginning of life on planets story uh, that absolutely got in the way of what my of my expectation was that i was going to see uh a science fiction horror film i did not see that film i saw a a a thesis on philosophy uh the philosophies of life on other planets right i didn't see a movie that scared me i didn't see a movie that thrilled me i saw a movie that was uh as as likely in you know with really minimal edits uh, as likely to be seen on the Discovery Channel uh, as in <laughs> on IMAX 3D uh, as, you know, part of the universe of aliens. You see what I'm uh, like? I was disappointed at that level. Wow. Uh, I, I felt like they they, you know, they hurt me in that way. So. Now, I, I don't at all want to dismiss either one of those things. This is this is like we've talked about it before. This is cognitive dissonance. This is like holding these two completely different equally valid uh ways to look at this at the the story uh but they directly conflict for me high jump low ceiling right yeah. they don't work together and and as a result 
everything else sort of starts to fall apart. You, you, it becomes easier to, to pull apart the little sort of plot holes. It, it makes it that, that suddenly aren't so little anymore. It makes it easier to pull apart these weird character relationships that mean nothing. It makes it easier to pull apart that, you know, so I actually had to be reminded that, uh, Vickers was, uh, Wayland's daughter. I had to be reminded of that relationship because it meant nothing to me when I heard it. Yeah. And it, and, and, you know, so those, those sorts of human relationships in this movie that were so valuable, um, to the fear, building the fear in alien and aliens in particular, um, were just not present like i didn't care about any of these people i found them really annoying in some cases like i i don't think there's a way to uh, you know to underscore enough how annoying the biologist and the geologist were like they couldn't di have died soon enough for me so yeah and that's that's definitely one of the the big problems and i you know i, I keep going through my head is it the fact that they had too many people too many and and quite a number of them obviously red shirts just clearly yeah, intended yeah. to die or what? Because this, the seven characters that they had in Alien, it was like a great number. You got to know all of them. You cared about all of them. This was 17. And uh, and it never quite, um, it, it, there, there were just way too many to, to pay attention to. You know, I never cared about the pilot and the navigator yeah. and their little you know kind of friendly banter back whatever and forth that was their about bets. and, and, and the, because you don't care about them then when they pump, point that ship as a and and burn that ion drive mm -hmm. and turn that ship into a bullet and at the end they all do their thing where they say hands up and they put their hands out and and, and sacrifice themselves uh as you know the the lambs to the slaughter sort of a thing this is their their spatial crucifixion Mm -hmm. it, which we which we saw in the trailer right <laughs> oh, right by the way. which they gave it away in the trailer we don't care about it right right it's so, it is ahead. unfortunate and i you know you brought up the um you know uh fifield and milburn the uh the yeah. biologist the geologist and it's it's that i think is a perfect example of things that were done poorly in this film where they had opportunities to do some really great stuff um, all through the film. And then you have these moments that are just with glaring stupidity in the <laughs> script of this this geologist who sees this alien body who's been dead for 2,000 years and is just like, oh, screw this. I'm out of here. Yeah. Leaves, <laughs> you know, drags the guy he doesn't like along with him. And then they get lost, even though the geologist is the one who sent out the little mapping devices and knows what they do, knows they're in communication with the ship. They're in communication with the ship. The tra ship's tracking everybody. How can they get lost? It's, it's yeah. such a glaring <laughs> plot device. And then to have Milburn see the little you know, snake, you know, as some, something I <laughs> read called it a peanut vagina. <laughs> <laughs> Oh as you saw this little thing he's just like oh cute little guy come here it's yeah, like now I, now you want to touch it like, you, you're scared of the dead, the dead alien that's been there for 2000 years yeah and then yeah. you're like there oh, is tickle, tickle, there tickle. is nothing about the peanut vagina snake <laughs> that makes that makes you think oh i want to touch that like i want to touch a kitten <laughs>
There's <laughs> nothing about that thing that like that looks at all welcoming. It doesn't yeah. look welcoming. No, it it's horrifying. It, it looks like something you should not. You should not get touching. close to because you know what? It looks like what it does. Right. That's the problem, because when you like you see a gun, you know that if you pick it up, you hold it a certain way and you know what's going to happen when you pull the trigger. Something's going to come out of the hole at the other end. Right. This thing looks like a giant suction cup with teeth on it and that if it gets close to you, it's going to latch on and it's probably not going to let go. Why would you get close to that? (laughs) Had they designed something that looked like a kitten and did something else that might have been been have helped me. There's this is a a really obscure and probably <laughs> an inappropriate yes yet at the same time appropriate comparison. Do it. I There's this it. movie made in the 90s called uh, I think it's called um, Mom and Dad Save the World or something like that. Sounds uh, like a winner. It was. It was. Yeah, yeah. That's there's that's one way to describe it. It had a moment where it's it's the same thing. These people find it, they end up in this cave and they find these like cute little mushroom looking creatures that have these cute little cuddly puppy dog eyes and they're going and making cute little cooing noises and the and that is a logical cute looking creature yeah. for you people to go that. up and and touch. Yeah. And then of course they lift their little mushroom top and they've got these giant teeth. Okay, that I would be expecting. Exactly. And see that's it's sad that I'm now comparing this movie to how mom and dad save the world. But uh, there you go. <laughs> that's the that's the the that, that's sort of the level of You need to of, find that clip in, yeah. in YouTube and put it in the show notes. <laughs> but see, that gets to my biggest challenge with this movie that you you see this film that is architected so visually wonderfully and makes it a joy to see and you think to yourself this would be better watched on mute because the rest of it is so pedestrian the story i mean the holes in this story are are just it's just too much it's a bridge too far and uh and and so um that that's that's my problem with it and so my question for you is you know and i and i you had forwarded me the link to the uh sort of mythos review i'm uh, who wrote that it was fan- it was fantastic um it was a cavalorn cavalorn is the guy's you know the, avatar the on live journal prometheus unbound uh, yeah is the the name of it cavalorn on live journal and it, it is a, a a long review with very detailed comments um, and a lot of thought put into it and the, yeah. and the reasons behind why things may be the way they are. And I really liked it because this is, you know, this is what I liked about this movie. I, yeah. We talked about the characters and, you know, I think we can go on about bad character decisions made throughout the film. Like, oh, I don't know, running in a straight line when a ship is rolling toward you instead of <laughs> veering off to the that side. Was, that was uh, <laughs> the, the thing that really frustrated me a lot, especially uh, when, because usually when somebody's crushed by a rolling thing, you know, you, you have two people in a movie and they're crushed by a giant rolling thing. And and I, it sounds totally arbitrary, but there are movies like this, you know, I mean, Transformers, you know, the the latest Transformers movie, there are characters crushed by a, a large rolling thing because they can't turn that's the problem but the bigger problem with this movie is one character does illustrate a turn right <laughs> is able to run the other character cannot vickers cannot right. turn but shaw can that yeah. that's 
it's just dumb. Makes you it's say just, dumb. It's silly. It's silly. So, but, but that, back to that Cap being Lord. said, we can yeah. we can go on and on about the characters because there's a lot of issues all through with a lot of characters, and it's unfortunate. But the reason that I still find the movie interesting is because it does pose a lot of these interesting questions, albeit unanswered. But it it really has created a lot of conversation in my circles about about what does does all of this mean? Why is the black goo act different when the uh, the engineer drinks it at the beginning versus when they encounter it at the end? Um, why does the engineer want to come and destroy? Um, all of humankind now. Uh, coincidentally, two thousand years ago, around the time of mm-hmm. of uh, that we, we crucified well, Jesus it, Christ, and, and that ends up being sort of one of the most interesting points about this, right? Which is the mm-hmm. the you know be, because a lot of what Cavalorn is doing here is um, speculation based on mythos, uh, you know, based on the 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 Prometheus myth, the religious myth, um, and uh, and and it all works. I think it all, it, you know, it is one really good way to look at it. Yeah. And and then he brings up this uh, this conversation from an interview with Movies.com and, uh, that Movies.com did with Ridley Scott. And I think we need to read that passage because I think it, well, I'm going to read the passage. I'm going to read the whole thing yeah. uh, with credit to Cavalier. And you people should go read his whole take on this because it's really good. Yeah, which we'll yeah. put in the show yeah. notes as well. All right, Movies.com says, You throw religion and spirituality into the equation for Prometheus, though, and it almost acts as a hand grenade. We had heard it was scripted that the engineers were targeting our planet for destruction because we had crucified one of their representatives, and that Jesus Christ might have been an alien. Was that ever considered? And Ridley Scott says, We definitely did, and then we thought it was a little too on the nose. But if you look at it as our as an quote, our children are misbehaving down there, end quote, scenario. There are moments where it looks like we've gone out of control, running around with armor and skirts, which of course would be the Roman Empire, and they were given a long run, a thousand years before their disintegration actually started to happen. And you can say, uh, let's send down one of our emissaries to see if he can stop it. Guess what? They crucified him. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, and that that throws this whole notion of the space Jesus into it. Yeah, which, and then you know, we're not that we firmly to, entrenched in the space Jesus. Yes, not that we want to start, you know, any sort of religious <laughs> discussions or about you know <laughs> people's opinions of the reality of space Jesus or not. But we're just saying that's what a theory of Ridley Scott's in this movie. Yeah, which is interesting because you know you look at this is. Um, you know, I, I, I the 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 thing I got from the first five minutes. You know, the first, you know, maybe it's three minutes. I don't know. It's very brief, right? Mm-hmm. Where yep. we open on this gorgeous landscape and we see this pasty colored giant uh, humanoid, uh, kind of glowing humanoid creature or person, mm-hmm. uh, standing on the edge of the ship, and he's running to the top, on the of edge the, of a cliff, on the edge of a cliff. Yeah, and he sees the ship in the distance, and it's a different ship. It's not the the kind of right. you you ship it's a it's a sphere or not a sphere it's, it's not a, a sphere it's a flat it's a flying it's, saucer it's a saucer yeah. and uh it's, it's it's an it's like an egg it's like an egg it's a life giver and <laughs> and he this pasty uh thing drinks this the black goo and in in a very ritualistic very man. ritualistic way and then decomposes 
right? He disintegrates, right? He doesn't disappear. Breaks he breaks he down. Breaks down at a at a DNA level. Exactly, and he goes into the stream, into the the he falls into the the off this cliff into this waterfall, and he is in the system, and in in that way, he very much sort of uh, resembled for me at least. Um, uh, sort of the more biological context of a seed, right? Mm-hmm. He is he was planted on this um, on this planet to seed life, Correct. right? I mean that's that was the feeling I got, and that's one of the reasons I I um, I, I walked uh, you know I got out of that after the opening sort of title uh, role, thinking, wow, this is not the movie I expected to see. And so that's the big question for me. Did this did this movie bite off more than it could chew in this universe, in this series? Like you can't well, sit there and tell me after we just spent the last month di- sort of diagnosing the aliens movies, right? Yeah. And celebrating this fantastic creature, these creature films, right? These movies are about the beast it's about the fear of the beast and this movie was not it was not that movie no but you know i don't know if i was expecting a horror uh film i was expecting sci-fi for sure um but i don't know if i was expecting horror only because i think they had been saying so often that it was not a prequel to alien and so i wasn't i didn't feel like it had to be a horror film as long as it was a good sci-fi film whether it was a drama or an action or a horror i think i was going to be okay with that and so the beginning i felt ridley scott was really on the right uh the right track of doing something along the lines of like a 2001 space odyssey type of story where we were going to be really looking at a lot of things while also dealing with um, life in this particular universe that did have these aliens. Now, that being said, by the nature of it having to still somehow tie into this universe, right? Well, yeah, okay. It, is, it, is that something that complicated the mix a little bit and, and made, uh, you know, messed up the recipe? Not a little bit, a, a lot. That's the fundamental problem for me. Because once, you, let's just say, I grant you, I grant you that. Okay, this is this movie is going to be about the beginning of life and, and on planets, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to be a big philosophical movie. It's going to make people talk about religion. It's going to make people do. I mean, it's going to be a thinker movie, right? Yeah. Okay, that's great. And the last hour ends up being. The most ham-handed, schlock, uh, shoehorned alien story into a movie that should have been something else. Well, see, I, I don't. I, you're okay. You're you're saying the alien story only because you're specifically talking about our aliens, as if they're ours. Oh, um, they're ours. They're ours by gum. The um. <sighs> You're, tell, I, you're telling me that it. at the I, end of the movie, when the, okay, when no, the no. alien comes out, that that's not supposed to be our I, alien? No, I know. And that was, for me, that, that, is, that is the one that felt the most ham, ham-handed, ham-fisted. It, that, to me, was just like, oh, why did we have to go there? Why did we need to feel like you had to tie that together? I, I felt like that was just added on, and it was just inappropriate, and that just kind of messed things up. 
Um, because that, you know, I think threw out way too many more questions that should not have even been asked. That bothered me more than any of the other alien stuff in the movie, which I actually found pretty interesting. And I liked that it, up until the ending, it didn't feel like it had to tie together with the alien uh, xenomorph creatures themselves. And, and you know, you may be getting to something that I, I you may be, be sort of getting to the, the crux of why I have such a problem with it, that I, I may have been okay walking out of that movie had they not shown me the alien that was so derivative of of yeah. the alien and just let it let it go don't show me the evolution because you know what resurrection showed me evolution resurrection showed me what happens when we have this sort of uh when we have the commingling dna of the alien creature and and the human we we see that we get it Mm-hmm. Like I didn't need you to ram that down my throat. Let's make this what it is. And it felt like they they could. That's what gets back to what I was saying in the very beginning. That's why this felt like a grudge match between Ridley Scott and, and Lindelof and Spates. Like it, that's how I have to visualize what ends up in my head being so much more of a disaster. That it was people who could not agree on an overall theme for this film. Yeah, and I agree. I, I because that ending is tacked on which you almost just can't, you can't really avoid it because they chose to put it there. Um, it does kind of screw up a lot of what it had going for it because I think all the other alien stuff leading up to that is really interesting and interesting in a way where you don't feel like it's like they're trying to shoehorn it into the alien anthology, despite the fact that in the wall, in the giant head chamber... Um, you do have that back wall with the mural of the somewhat alien-looking creature there. So, I mean, there's the, Yeah, the little... queen and the alien creature. Right. That, you know, that definitely ties in in, in a way. But I think if they had left, left that in there, um, even though there's way too much stuff unexplained about all of that, um, but if they had left that in there, hacked that little ending off, I think it would have made a much more interesting story because you're getting this sense that there's more to this creation that's going on with these these engineers that we don't really understand and that she really is going to be learning a lot more by going off to their planet at the end of the film and uh, a, a lot more of interesting things to learn. As it stands right now, because all of a sudden it, it is shoehorned into the alien life cycle somehow, it... it does take a little bit of that away which is unfortunate yeah yeah but i do think that there is a lot of interesting things going for it and reading this article uh by cavalorn it you know it does show a lot of interesting things that they were thinking about and how how things work and and the nature of the engineers and what they were doing and the nature of the black goo and a lot of things that i think um are really interesting now, do you think that, did you look at the so-called Spates version of the script before Lindelof came on? Um, which one did I, no, I, the one I sent you was Lindelof. No, the one you sent, oh yeah, the one you sent me was the one that uh, the, they, they co-wrote. They co-wrote. The, the, the one, Lindelof came yeah, you, you sent me two versions of it, right, that I have not had a chance to look at. Yeah, and I haven't either. Um, okay. I, and honestly... According to the internet, it's 
unclear if either of them are actual scripts or just you know fakes but there's one called alien harvest by john spades right based on characters by dan o'bannon and ronald chassette that um is kind of an i mean i didn't really look at it too much but the the gist of it seems to be um instead of them calling engineers they're growers and they're growing planets and there's some humans who are helping them and it's you know it's kind of an odd story between these humans and then i think at the end one of them finds out that the other one is uh, is an android Hmm. Um, but then the script that, uh, that we had both read, um, I mean, there were some interesting changes to the script and I don't know if they're really for the better or for the worse, but in the, in the script that, that you had sent us or sent me, um, Vickers was an Android, which we found out at the end. Right. Which I thought was an interesting little thing. Well, what I thought was so interesting about that is that they ended up building such a case in the in the final version of the film, the current. I, I'm going to say current version of the the theatrical release of the film, knowing right. full well there has got to please God be a director's cut <laughs> uh, sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um. Where where there really is a case to be made that Vickers could be, but they do you know an android. But there is also a, a quite literally equal equally good case uh, to be made that she is not yeah the fact that it, she's such a cardboard uh, performance is one of those reasons yeah i don't i didn't have a huge problem with it um but i did feel like it was <laughs> it was very similar to snow White and the huntsman i was just like wow it's like the same performance yeah. in both films yeah um well <laughs> you know she's on a roll she is. I know ever since uh, young adult, she's like, you know, the uh, she's the Charlie's grumpy face throne is, is the new <laughs> uh, direction she's taking. Because she's really quite hot. Yeah. Uh. And funny. And she's a great actress. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Um, so anyway, that's <laughs> I like how you just tried to redeem me. <laughs> trying, to, was, trying to help you out. That was you. nice. She is also and I hear she is she's quite bright. I have never met her, uh, but that I'm sure is why I find her attractive. That's I bet that's why. Mm-hmm. Um, but also interesting in the script is um, Holloway and and Shaw, Shaw were not yeah. together, but she she was a virgin, and he actually rapes her in the script. And it yeah. and I don't think she got pregnant though, did she? I don't recall I don't, her getting no, pregnant. No, uh, but but it. Again, that tied into kind of this biblical like virgin situation, which I thought was more interestingly explored in the theatrical version. Uh, yeah, you know, again, though, with the ham-handed, I mean, I, well, you're right. I, okay, as long as we're going down this road, let's make it on Christmas. It's kind of an arbitrary <laughs> Christmas. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to really hammer home the fact that she's, she's not able to have children and right. uh, you know just one one thing after another i think you know it's it, it's good all these things sort of came came right together and and uh well go ahead i i feel i'm i could keep going i'm going to stop no i mean you're right it's it is just it, it it all plays a little obviously it's uh i don't know it's i i still find it fascinating though and um I, I guess I, I just uh, I'll just hold on to that for now. <laughs> well, uh, so, okay. something we haven't talked about yeah. that I think is definitely warrants a conversation is Michael Fassbender as David, which 
I think is by far the most fascinating thing in this film. Yes. I I agree with that. He is the mo- he is certainly the most fascinating character in this film and <laughs> and um it, it, he was it was kind of unreal. Uh I you know the way he played the way he played this android character the to be both the um the the s- savior in many respects as he leads her on her final journey uh, off the planet right he he you know it's it's his intellect and his direction that saves her but he's right. also what ultimately destroyed everything that she was working for and to do so to play both sides of that um that that line i think he did really elegantly yeah it's a really interesting performance that's generated quite a lot of conversation. That uh, yeah, that's so what's your take on the general buzz of about his performance? I well, I mean, I I think his performance, I mean, I think that his performance and then I think the character's actions are two different things. Yeah, yeah. Um his performance I think was just unbelievably genius and I really felt like he very well may have just been an android version of Michael Fassbender that was made for this film because it was so haunting and and perfect and creepy and just fascinating you know it was a very interesting performance and I I find myself drawn to um thinking about the uh, about him and his actions and his role in the film probably more than most of the other elements in the film just because it's just such an interesting character and i really enjoyed watching him yeah i i think so too and i I think it's one of those interesting things like when you sort of characterize how he fits and how i mean how would you do that how would you characterize how he fits uh in and and his role in with the legacy uh that has been sort of um uh, under the un, under the care of Ian Holm and Lance Henriksen and and uh, oh dear God Winona Ryder, <laughs> well he's certainly better than Winona Ryder, but but he, is yeah I, yeah it's not even really uh, better <laughs> but but you know I mean because each I think Ian Holm is probably the most uh, the most direct corollary to the service that that android character has in the film right and and I think that that's ultimately probably why. Uh, Ridley Scott has such an affinity for these androids that, you know, serve two masters. Yeah. Right. Ian Holmes' performance of it was uh, just a. Uh, it, it went from being a, kind of a scalpel to a blunt instrument very, very quickly. And I don't think Michael Fassbender, uh, his performance ever actually got to blunt instrument. It was just uh, precise. Yeah, it was. And it's interesting the way that the android in this film, which happens, you know, 30 some years before Alien, um, was treated. This alien, for the entire two years of the travel, is awake, alert, watching people's dreams like a stalker. Yeah, that was creepy. Yeah, it was creepy. Uh, playing basketball, watching Lawrence of Arabia and dyeing his hair, and learning all sorts of ancient languages. Yeah. 
well, two years what, he was just doing all of this, right? Well, I thought that was really interesting because, you know, I mean, this is one of those things that you do, right? And and you know how it works. Right? So the, think of the functions that you offload to your computer, right? So mm-hmm. you're working on a film in, in Final Cut or Premiere or whatever, and you're done uh, with your cut and you have to render it out. And so you right. push a button and then you leave. And the computer right. does work for you. Yep. It's processing. And that's... It, it feels like in so many ways the way they treated, um, you know, David uh, in this film. We have a series of tasks that we need you to process for us while we are asleep. While we go away, we need you to render. And that, in this case, is learn all these languages so that you can translate for us when we get there because it's going to be – it's way too big of a job for a human to do. You're, yeah. you're the tool. Yeah, it's very interesting in that aspect that – that is how they perceive him yet at the same time it's uh, it's very clear that it's still a very awkward relationship that i guess that this david model is so new to the market that people still have a hard time being in his presence and really understanding his role in things yeah particularly what's his name holloway holloway to their detriment yeah. uh, ultimately just for not understanding, because clearly he had no, um, you know, his agenda was that which he was given. Yeah, I think so. I, and and evolved because his his agenda evolved as his as circumstances changed. But ultimately, he was at the service of Wayland, and he did what he needed to do. And one of the interesting things that um, that uh, oh, going back though um, to my point, but I I forgot that I was making. Um, the interesting thing about the androids between this film and Alien is in this film, they keep him like a, like a computer just running the whole time that they're sleeping so that he can kind of get all this stuff done. Yet in Alien, the company has now essentially decided to hide the fact that there is one of these androids on board and and just build it into the crew as if it's a regular crew member. And Ash is asleep for those two years or however long that that the Nostromo crew is traveling. He's not wandering the ship playing basketball. It's a pretty interesting change between those two films. Yeah, that is interesting, actually. Uh, as if they learned something. As if they learned people are a little off-put by these androids. Yeah. Maybe we need to blend them in. But then again, by the time Bishop is rolling around, everybody kind of knows that he's an android. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 I I hesitate to say that the android and whether they're exposed or secret is only there to service the story. It does feel that way a little bit, but I'm but when not you put it that, that yeah when you put it that way it almost it it doesn't. I mean I think there's there's room uh to to look at that as a cultural shift and i i sort of like the way you put that i hadn't made that connection yeah it's an interesting thing to think about yeah the nature of androids but one of the things about david that i think most people seem to be talking about is why does he you know put why does he spike holloway's punch <laughs> yeah you know is is that a direct order i mean how would wayland have known that that David had retrieved this black goo. Well, uh, I I don't necessarily know that that's a problem, right? This is one of those things that computers take actions that we that we don't understand all the time. 
mm-hmm. right? In the service of the, if we, if I say, um, you know, I want the computer to draw a square on my screen, then I give up, g- give it up that the computer's going to have to figure out how to draw four straight lines. Mm-hmm. And if I tell David that I need him to go research these, the, the black goo and, you know, give me a full report on what it is, I take it on faith that he is going to take the necessary steps right. to give me that complete diagnosis. Or that right, complete to actually test it out yeah. and see what it does. Yeah. Right. Maybe Which, I'm rationalizing a bit too far on that one. Maybe well, that's, that's actually go, kind but. of, that's what I had kind of um, theorized as well, is that whatever he was doing, even though it wasn't a direct order from Wayland, it was in some way there to... Uh, a decision that David made in the efforts to achieve what Wayland was eventually looking for. Right. Right. Um, I, I do find it interesting though, that it seemed, it seemed to me anyway, that David was almost like not going to put the black goo into Holloway's drink unless Holloway specifically said that he would do anything to find out the truth. You know, you notice how he had it on the tip of his finger yeah, like there's a test clause. Like yeah, he, he, yeah, right, right. He's like, I'm not going to do this to you unless you say yes. Yeah. And then Holloway says yes, and so he's like, okay, well, then I'll do it to you, and which, he drops it in the drink. Which makes it, you know, that again is, you know, another point in favor of of uh, this character and the way this character was written. I mean, this was a character we've talked about this before. When you when you reach these characters that you find, you can tell the writers fell in love with, mm-hmm. and I get that about david like i feel like spates and lindelof and ridley scott were in love with this character and and they they gave him some of the most interesting and complex actions and and objectives in this film and i think they really did you know compared to guy pierce that they just covered in latex and made him sort of arbitrary and compared to logan marshall green who they made just you know holloway who they just made him uh really uh, you know i mean here's a guy who's the 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 core of the expedition uh with Shaw obviously and you'd think as a as an archaeologist he might be able to get over the fact as someone accustomed to looking at dead things and rock walls that maybe his search for space for 20,000 year old creatures might end up looking at more rocks and walls and and things and instead That's- he becomes this just this idiot, this drunken yeah. idiot, because these things weren't alive. Especially on their first trip into the first thing they found on the planet. Exactly. In, in the first six hours. It's like, that's all the time you're going to give it? to explore is just like this less than six hour trip. And then all of a sudden you're pissed and, and screw it. They, there's nothing here. It's all a waste yeah. of time. And, and then yeah. he became a vessel. He became a tool for the story to get her pregnant, and then we were done, and to light him on fire. Yeah. You have to uh, – well, and speaking about him real quick, though, is it not strange that he looks just like Tom Hardy? Like, I was convinced when I saw the trailers that Tom Hardy was in this, and then I was like, who's this Logan Marshall Green guy? Yeah. And I saw that it was him. I'm like, I have no idea. They should have just cast Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy, right. But – um Okay, so all of that being aside, yeah, what was your thought on the cesarean section scene? Because I yeah. was frankly like on the edge of my seat, 
that for me was the like big horrifying moment in that film. I mean, yeah. I, I really enjoyed that scene. It it was terrifying. I I certainly felt bad for any woman who happened to be pregnant while watching that scene because I can only imagine the how awful it must have been, how much more awful it must have been yeah. for her. Uh, it's a tough scene to watch, and I I think that it was. I think it's one of the film scenes in the film that will just be talked about for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, I, I liked it too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'll tell you, I, and I've read a lot of, uh, of commentary on that scene that was, you know, really critical of Numi uh, Rapace's uh, performance and, and more the, the sort of architecture of the scene. They kept saying, well, you know, she's, she hasn't had any painkiller. I don't know what they're talking about. How many times did she inject herself in the course yeah. of that five minutes? Like right. she was totally shot up. Like, I, right. I mean, it was, uh, the the technology was really cool, mm-hmm. uh, like the the robo bed. I mean, it was one of those things that just the way the thing moved, uh, it it didn't feel sort of arbitrary at all. It felt like I I can see technology like this happening, um, you know. And I really liked the idea of being able to program it, and then, um, you know, I think what what sticks with you. Uh, apart from all of the sort of pomp and circumstance of the scene and the tech, what sticks with you is the fact that it is the sensation that this woman is giving, and anybody who gets into this capsule, right? This woman is getting in here and giving over her most sensitive, uh, you know, core of her being, right? Her body and allowing yeah. this robot to cut inside of her. And, and that part, more than the sort of gore of actually having the, the forceps kind of reach in and pull out the alien, uh, um, squid, uh, that watching that happen, knowing that she's just giving it over to this laser that's cutting her in two, um, is, is the part that really sticks with me. I think that's, that is, um, it gets to the nature of sacrifice uh, and in in the favor of of life, um, and and sort of the Jurassic Park uh, philosophy that underscores Prometheus that <laughs> life finds a way. Yeah. Um, and that scene I think really celebrates that uh, in in a really horrifying, personally horrifying way. And I think you, you're you're absolutely right. I, I think that's even more of a of a, um, a a testament to the the importance of this movie is that that scene in particular is not scary by the fact that you're running from a monster down a dark hall. Right, right. It's scary because it it it's it's out there. It's yeah. not today. It's not tomorrow. But it's out there, and that's us with an alien squid. It's a good thing it wasn't the Goldfinger laser. Yeah, yes. <laughs> that it was just other, sliced in half. <laughs> other lasers not welcome in this table. The, the the Death Star laser also not welcome on this table. That's right, right. Although a stormtrooper gun laser, that's not maybe so bad. okay. We, see, there's another list. Much, it's not going to do much for an alien. <laughs> we need It'll another miss. miss. That's it's odd. Going to miss. <laughs> Oh, okay. My, well, my, my. Uh, all right. So you still you still uh, say it's a, let's talk, we got to talk about the numbers a little bit because it's not um obviously it's not finished yet. The movie cost what I'm reading somewhere in the realm of 120 to 150 million dollars to make. And thus far it has made and this is in one week it's made da, 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 about 65 million I'm looking at. 
on day six, 65,333,000. Here's the, here's the yep. problem. Here is the problem with this. Madagascar 3, Europe's most wanted, mm-hmm. has outperformed Prometheus. Yeah. Well, Prometheus is an R-rated film. And R- it, it's, yeah. it's yeah. the number 12, I think, on the list for R-rated openings. So yeah. it did well for an R-rated film. It's hard getting people to go see an R-rated. I mean, there's, you know, it limits your audience. Yeah, it's really, it. that's a very fair point. You're right. You're right. Yeah. And, and, and uh, 3D, I don't think, you know, helped that race between Madagascar and Prometheus because both of them came out in 3D. So they were both yeah. competing with 3D dollars. Yep, yep, yep. All right. Well, so I don't know. Does that, but does that uh, tell you anything? Does that bode well or ill uh, one way or the other? Is it too early to tell? It's, you know, it's a little too early to tell. I think um, internationally, uh, Prometheus has already had a little bit more of a run because it opened um, a few weeks ago internationally. And so I think, I actually can't find the international numbers for some reason. Um, I wonder where it is, but. Um, I have a feeling that it's going to end up making its money back and it's going to do, uh, it's going to, it'll do fine. It'll do well enough for them to cross our fingers, um, get a sequel made that will, you know, actually answer some well, of that, questions. Well, here's an interesting thing. I mean, did you read uh, uh, Ridley Scott said, I think it was in that same interview, said that there are, that he sees three movies to yes, get us between right. here. I don't know how he could uh, draw that out after that last scene. Uh, with that alien, I mean, it seems like you could get there pretty quickly at the pace that he set in the last half of Prometheus. Yeah, I, I, it's it's unfortunate. I don't think that. Again, I just think that alien just messed things up too much for me. Totally. But but I really, I, I think this next film is going to be more about uh, just the the second or the the actual alien planet, the the engineer planet. Um, and you know, I was somebody was. Uh, philosophizing online that the reason aside from guy pierce's ted talk which to me even though it's not even in this film was better than everything he did in the film no but it seemed to be the only reason that they actually put the age makeup on him in the film right yes because otherwise there's no reason that guy pierce was in the role i mean they could have cast many older actors and that was it that that my understanding was at some point guy pierce ends up playing himself in a prequel to prometheus well, and my understanding was that somehow he may be coming back in the sequels, but in flashbacks is what yeah, I heard. Yeah, but, okay. You know, I don't even know if these things are written, so it's all speculative at this point. Who well, knows? Yeah, I you know, it's I'm I'm certainly not um you know, I'm I'm going to see it again. Uh you know, I feel like there's a lot to talk about and and frankly it's a it you know, the visual um story that this movie tells is I still I think it's a work of art I think it's beautiful to look at and that makes up for an awful lot uh, in terms of this movie is it going to be one that I just pop in and and watch on a lazy weekend doubtful yeah uh, you know I'll I'll pick it up when it comes out but it's not going to be one of the you know one of the repeats right right so. Do you, um random random bit of trivia yeah um Milburn the uh Coochie coochie coo. Yeah. Alien. Yeah, yeah. He you know who he is? Who is he? He's Rafe Spall. He's the son of Timothy Spall, a great British actor, who was in Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> a little tie into uh some of our uh, last uh chats. He was um, one of the Andes in Hot Fuzz. That's fantastic. Yeah. So 
That well, makes me like him a little bit more, even though I still <laughs> think yeah, that's that just a ridiculous not, character. Not a great character. I think you, you know, I think you made a good point. I think there were too many. Uh, there, there, I think the cast was too big. Yeah. For this little, you know, and that. Uh, all right. I just got to get it out. I just got to get this out because really, we're gonna put all these people on this on the flagship exploratory spacecraft and send them across the universe for two years. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to let them meet <laughs> before they climb into the pods. They're not going to be allowed to shake hands, say, hey, see you in two years. Right. None of that. The first time they meet is after they've been sleeping next to one another. Like, really? We're going to like that. That wasn't something that somebody caught. They don't even. Yeah. It's like what? They're not even going to meet while they walk in to lay down in the pods. Like the boss Vickers, who makes a huge case about how how important it was for her to have hired certain people by just even saying that line to all of you that I hired personally. Welcome to all the others of you. What? She didn't even know everybody on the ship. She didn't know. She's the boss. Right. How did I just. Like those, I found myself just getting mad. I the, it, and I think that's part of the reason people get so frustrated with this movie is because it insults. It, it is an insulting um, story element. It's it, because we feel like these guys who who we we trust to tell us a great story to give us to to give their our money to them to in exchange for a good story because they are have a proven track record of delivering solid stories. And they, when they don't, it's an insult because we know they're better than that. I think that's yeah. actually a compliment. Has this, you know, has this soiled you on uh, the experience for you for seeing, uh, you know, anybody else's or any of the movies that these guys come out with in the future? Lindelof? And- it, it hasn't. I mean, I, I still feel like, you know, I, I have a hard time uh, unless somebody really just makes bad things time after time after time. Um I I usually don't attribute it to that particular person, and I'm sure I'll see stuff that any of these guys do again. The nature of making a movie—it's so hard to get a movie made yeah. that it's—I I find it hard to blame any one person if something just doesn't turn out quite right. Which which is, I think is exactly the point I was trying yeah. to make. I think that's really true. I I think all of these guys are really talented, and that's what is so frustrating about this movie—that it, it's just we know that that they're better. Than mm-hmm. some of the choices that were made in this film, and and yet it was ter- it was a beautiful experience. It's still yeah, a four. It's it's still better than most films that I'll probably see this summer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that says a lot. Uh, well, yeah, it does. It does. Um, okay, so so last little note. Yeah. Did you on that um, Cavalorn article? Did you uh, read down to the bottom and follow any of those links that he had on the bottom to the videos? No, but just above the videos, there's a, a link. It said Cleo Linda Jones has done an M15M yes. Prometheus post. And you know, I haven't you... read it. I, I have it in my. I saved it. To, I did read them all in Instapaper, and so I, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, but I haven't read it. It is. You will love it. This is. I think. <laughs> I love this. The... After five what? minutes of Icelandic landscape porn. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just let me read this bit here, which okay. I just think is, I mean, all of it's great. And I'm just randomly picking a random thing out of this to uh, to just mention. But it just makes me laugh. Uh, this is they're in the what does she call it? The Temple of the Giant Stone Head, which is filled with hundreds of sealed urns watched by a gigantic 
giant, enigmatic, strangely human stone head, hence the name. So that's this scene. And this is after they're, uh, they've contaminated the area, and Shaw says, um, Hey, guys, the mural is moving. The mural has noticed we're here. Maybe we should go. Maybe we should go. <laughs> and then Yannick on the radio. Hey, guys, there's a suit-frying electromagnetic plot storm coming. I second the leaving. <laughs> Yeah, she she basically rewrites a whole movie in about 15 minutes and in a very funny way. And so I, I definitely recommend you everybody everybody go read this because it's really, really funny. That is great. Yep, yep, yep. All right. So check it out. Enjoy. And uh, I guess that's it for this week, huh? That's it. This is a, this is a long time coming. It was. It wasn't. It's. It. I am a little sad that uh, I wasn't as enthralled by it as I wanted to be. But, uh, yeah. but you know, that was fun. I'm glad we did that. What are we doing next week? Are we going to talk about it? Yes. What are we doing next week? <laughs> you. You can't. Act. Really? <laughs> are, are we doing? You are the keeper of the schedule. This is your role. Well, you I, keep I... me in line and tell me what to do. You cannot hand that back. Well, I asked you these questions and you never responded. So then I'm just going to say it then. That is a I'm... presumed yes. Oh, okay. I know that now. <laughs> so so next week and the week after, we're going to be doing two Jason Reitman films. Which ones? We're going to do Thank You for Smoking and we're going to do Up in the Air. We're going to do the, the ones that he didn't do with, uh, oh, what's her name? What's yeah. her name? I don't like at all. Um, because oh, what was the what was the other movie that uh, what was it? Uh, she did uh, Juno and yeah, uh, Ellen Ellen uh, Page. Not, not Ellen Page. I, I like, like Ellen her. Page. It's the writer. The writer. Yeah, 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 Diablo, Diablo Cody. Cody. I just I don't like Diablo. Cody. Okay. So we're gonna skip the two Diablo Cody Jason Reitman projects, and instead we're gonna do Thank You for Smoking and Up in the Air. Those will be our next two. Very books. much looking forward Discuss. to that. I think so. Next week. Well, we've got we've got logistics. I'll talk to you about logistics after. Okay. Okay. Good talk. Hey, thanks, Andy. This was fun. Indeed. Indeed. I've been podcasting since 2006. In that time, I've tried countless hosting platforms. But in August 2022, we switched to Transistor to power all of our shows here at True Story FM. And it's been a game changer. I love the Transistor allows unlimited podcasts and storage without extra charges. We can publish so much content. And we do. If you want to start up a podcast, do yourself a favor and host your show on Transistor. With their one-click publishing, you can get your new show onto all the major podcast directories effortlessly. And their website builder lets you quickly build custom sites for each show. The detailed analytics are invaluable too. You can access all kinds of listener data anytime. Oh, and the versatile players allow you to embed episodes anywhere to reach new listeners. Plus, the team behind Transistor is super responsive and keeps making the platform even better. After using countless hosting services over 15 plus years, Transistor has been hands down the best podcast partner for us. If you want a hosting platform to take all the worry out of getting your podcast out into the world, go to thenextreel.com slash Transistor and check it out. Support our show and support your own show by going to thenextreel.com slash transistor. Start growing your podcast today. <laughs>